The old new guy Skipski. Sorry, new guy, we gotta do a little Skipski. <sighs> that sip actually came through the microphone pretty well. Goddamn um, right it did. Alright, what's up everybody? This is the Big One Podcast. We are your motorsports podcast. We talk Formula One, Formula E, season's over. We talk NASCAR, big time. We talk IndyCar, season's also season's over, over, so we're going to be very <laughs> heavy into the NASCAR this weekend. We're going to give you the breakdown every weekend, but this week our sponsor is brought to you by MLB Teams That Clinch. So we are talking Milwaukee Brewers and Philadelphia Phillies. What's going yeah. on in the Major League Baseball scene these days? Not just that. This is B-Boy, by the way. Uh, but not just that, but we've also got um, the Orioles, who are my other team. My Phillies and my Orioles are both going to make the playoffs. Uh, fun fact, before the season began, I bet individually for each of those teams to make the World Series, so uh, therefore to win their uh, their league um, title, and also I have a parlay for both of them to make it together, um, so that's obviously what I'm rooting for, and if it happens, I'm going to be a, a very rich boy all of a sudden. So. so what you're telling me is, when that happens... My Vegas flight is going to be paid for by the B-Boy. <laughs> by the time that happens, yeah, that'll be the Vegas trip in March of next year, not not this year. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's very possible. And I think the Orioles are one game away from clinching the AL East, and I think that would also give them the best record in the AL, so the one seed. So that's pretty fucking cool, man. The Orioles are never good. So it's been uh, it's been pretty sweet. I want to add in another sponsor, though, if, if, if you don't mind. I, I you know... Just just use this today, and I think it's an awesome service because I remember how bad this used to be. But uh, Minute Key, which is one of those kiosks, I think there's other other brands that do this as well. But Minute Key is the one that I've used a lot, and that's what I know to search for on Google Maps. There's tons of Minute Keys in every city. They're easy to find. A lot of times they're in Home Depots or Ace Hardwares, sometimes in Walmarts, things like that. Um, and it, it really is a minute key. Stick in your key that you need to make copies of. They got cute little ones. Check out these. These I had to make some keys for myself and someone else. Uh, I got nice little cat ones for her. Um, really great. Really great stuff. I think, I think I've used that service before, and I actually broke a key in a doorknob once. Uh, it was a Chicago Bulls minute key, and uh, it turned, and that thing just melted. So, uh, well, Maybe the service has been better these days. I love it. Minute key. Way to bring the heat this week. Yep, just like those baseball teams. Um, if you'd like to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at PodcastBigOne or email us at PodcastBigOne at gmail.com. You already know what we're about, so let's just jump right into an Xfinity race recap. Do you want to do it for us? Let's go. Xfinity Stage 1 winner, Justin Allgaier. Your Stage 2 winner, same guy, Justin Allgaier, your race winner. We've been saying this a lot this season, John Hunter Nemechek. So Austin, Justin Allgaier was on the pole for this bad boy. Trevor Bain, a guy that I don't know a whole lot about, he was uh, on the front row of this race. Can you give me a little bit of insight on who this uh, Trevor Bain guy is? 
Yeah, everyone's always going to have a, like a soft spot in their heart for Trevor Bain. Trevor Bain uh, kind of was in the Roush uh, Fenway kind of, uh, not, uh, I guess it was maybe just Roush at the time, but in that pipeline of young drivers kind of got a shot with Wood Brothers, you know, another Ford team um, really early on and really was, I think I want to say it was like his third or fourth race in the Cup Series total, uh, and he won the Daytona 500. Um, which was a very special, and I think it was on his birthday too. So it's one of those like victories that people will always kind of remember. But it was a flash in the pan. The guy, the guy went on to have a pretty mediocre career and all in in multiple series. Um, he's gotten some shots in Xfinity here and there, but he's mostly kind of just like a fill-in driver. He's not someone that's doing like full full time um, uh, with any team. And I don't believe he has a full time ride set up for next year either. But people like Trevor Bain, um, and honestly, I do too. Uh, he's, a, he's a cool guy. Sweet. Appreciate that insight. So Sam Meyer in this thing, my guy, gets too high, lap one, immediately goes into mm. the wall. Immediate trouble. No caution, though. Then the 98 Riley Herbst, he goes into the wall in lap two, and then they do bring out the caution. So that was a little bit weird for me that Sam Meyer gets in the wall, slows down the field, no caution. Next lap, Riley Herbst brings out the caution it is what yeah. it is. This is Texas for you, man. This is what Texas is now. Ever since they put that PJ1 down, there's only one groove. You want to stay at the bottom. You want to be within that groove. Some guys will search for some grip slightly further up the track. But if you don't arc your entry in perfectly, you don't slow yourself down enough, and you get slightly up above that groove, there's just too many marbles up there. It just takes you. Uh, we're going to be talking about that a lot for this weekend's races. Absolutely. So you're burying the lead there, so I was kind of trying to give Sam Meyer a break <laughs> there, but he got high, he got hot and bothered on that first lap, and immediately he hits that PJ1, he's sliding up the track, hits the wall hard, he's done for the day. So a lot of similar action like that throughout this entire race. So Riggs hits the wall in lap 11, you get another caution. So this entire race got off to a little bit of a slow start. Very slow. But then we did settle in a little bit. One of the weirdest things about this thing was Daniel Hemrick, he got a little bit too low, ended up hitting the grass with the front left of his car and breaks the splitter on mm-hmm. that thing. So that's a playoff driver with an issue early. Like, what, what happens there? Like, did he just think he could get low, get some movement because, you know, that it is a one-lane track? He got low, he hit the grass, and immediately his car was just all out of sorts. Because when you break that splitter on this car, there's kind of kind of nothing you can do about that. Yeah, the splitter is like a one solid carbon fiber piece. Um, and a very, uh, like, made out of, like, essentially a bulletproof type material. Um, it's a very, very strong piece, but when it breaks, it breaks. There's no replacing it. Um, and, and remember that the Xfinity cars are basically the car of tomorrow without the wing on them. Um, they're, that's the that's the type of model of car that they are and generation of car that they are. Um, that has a splitter that sticks out a little bit from the from the bottom side of the front end and really sucks that car really, really low. In fact, the cup cars are less low now than the, the Xfinity cars are. Um, the Xfinity cars, though, if you do, you get in the grass, you spin out, it's just so easy for that, that, that splitter to act like a shovel and just literally get itself stuck in the grass and then just split apart. Um, and, and it's unfortunate for such a such an important piece to the aerodynamics. I'd say, like, that's the most fragile piece in the Xfinity car, just like the diffuser at the back end is the most uh, fragile piece um, in the cup car. Um, and so 
you know, it's it sucks, but this happens. I think to your point, he was just trying to get dice dice himself a little bit lower there on the track, um, trying to make a move, and just caught the grass just a little bit too much, um, and that was enough to to ruin his day. Yeah, playoff drivers with issues all over the place in the Xfinity race. A couple other call-outs I got in this thing. So Brendan Poole, he hits the wall extremely hard in Stage 2, and then almost immediately after, Jeffrey Earnhardt tags the same wall mm-hmm. and the same thing. So it's like these guys are trying to do. If you can't keep that low line going, you hit that PJ1, and all of a sudden a hot track like this at Texas, I mean, temperatures were pushing 100 degrees at this it's thing slick. on – Xfinity and Cup, we'll get into that a little bit later. This thing was so slick. If you get out of line, mm-hmm. you're just going right up into the wall and you're hitting extremely hard. So other than that, Justin Allgaier got a little bit high with a couple laps to go. Justin, uh, John Hunter Nemechek, excuse me, pounces. He gets that win. Another win for JHN in the Xfinity series. Yeah, uh, I, I hated it, man. I really want to see Allgaier win there. And he ran a perfect race up until the end, right? You hope if you're going to have mistakes, you hope you have them early so you can compensate for them when they happen that late. There's no recovery. It just happens. Um, overall, the Xfinity race wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was Texas. Uh, it was fine. I feel like we have been dogging on Texas this entire podcast, like the last couple of seasons, but let's uh, let's break down the cup race here and we can maybe talk about how Texas may be changing a little bit. Yeah. Let's how about, how about, how about we do this? We bring back an old, yeah, we bring back an old segment here uh, and we, and we grade it. Let's grade it um, blind grades here. Cause we've not talked about this yet. Um, what was your grade on like a, you know, a grading, a a b c plus minus system um what do you give texas uh i'm gonna give the xfinity series like a b plus i thought it was a really Mm. solid race it was very hard for the xfinity drivers to keep that thing on that low groove when they did keep it on the low groove there was some good action cup race i'm probably gonna put that at about a c i'm gonna Mm. give it a nice solid c average um it's a passing grade you're not gonna be doing anything crazy you're not going to be in those ap classes but i think on a <laughs> on the grand scheme of things it's it's about a c for me this year okay um yeah i think i i'm, I'm gonna go with a solid b for xfinity again i don't think it was bad but i don't think it was good either i thought it was just like i, I don't know it was it was honestly kind of boring so many of the xfinity races are so much better so um and then on the cup yeah i i I'll give it a C plus. i'll give it a slightly higher grade because i thought it was better than i was expecting but it's still not great like, it's still not, like, like I know there were a lot of people that were just like, ooh, Texas, maybe it's back. And it's like, it's not back, y'all. Like, comparing it just to what it was last year and saying it got better is not enough to say that it's good. You need to compare it to Charlotte. You need to compare it to Atlanta, <laughs> right? Atlanta went through yeah. a repaving. And, like, dude, it's not even close. It's not even close to what the other mile and a half are delivering. So, therefore, Texas still sucks, in my opinion. And a C-plus is all that it could get. So, But let's go through this. Um well, with our stage winners and our race winner, stage one winner, we had Tyler Reddick. Stage two winner, we had Kyle Larson. And our race winner was William Byron. So a nice little uh, bit of diversity here. We also had a lot of um, uh, kind of like cautions that caused uh, shakeups at the front near the ends of the stages um, and intended to kind of like, even if the uh, driver was out in front, 
the strategy of the race ended up keeping um, the uh, making it a guessing game as to who would come out and be a stage winner, but it was all track position, all race. Um, let's go through a couple things here. Kyle Busch wrecks out early, um, just gets high, just like uh, like several of the uh, drivers did in Xfinity. Gets himself in the marbles, takes himself out. Austin Dillon did the same thing, uh, um, but uh, he lost a tire when he lost his car. Um, uh, Martin Truex has a couple issues, um, just trying to get his, his, uh, his, his day going. He never really did, um, you know, carry over from the last three races. They really need to figure out what's going on there and try and right the ship. Denny and Ty Dillon, I'm sorry, so Denny and Ty Gibbs, uh, collided on pit lane. Um, and you know, I saw the radioactive and I saw that like, the Ty Gibbs was like, how did Denny, why did Denny do that? Why did he jump out in front of me like that? You have the right of way if you're the car out in front. You're the, what Denny did was right. What Ty either has to do is, one, he could move up the track. He could have moved up the track. He had a good car length uh, or car width for him to move up without even getting into the driver that was outside of him. And he could have actually gotten out of the gas just a little bit and actually gotten all the way to the outside lane. He didn't do either thing. He just slammed into Denny. And he honestly didn't look like he was paying attention at all. Um, I say a lot of it's on tie, but then I'd also like to call out Keselowski. Keselowski does what a lot of drivers used to do, and I'm sure some drivers still do it. It's hard to see, especially on TV broadcasts, easier to see in person. But if you are, you know, you get your pit selection later, sometimes what you're doing is you're looking where the other playoff drivers are pitting, and you're pitting like right in front of them. Even if it's going to be a kind of bad uh, pit stall to have to pull into, to maybe have to pull around someone. You can stick out your right rear, right? They, they say three tires in the box. Four tire doesn't have to be in the box. can be on the line. That's what Kez did. He had his back rear sticking out. Denny had to come really hard in the gas, spin that car, tilt it all the way out, and that's what got him in tr- into trouble and got Ty Gibbs to slam into his side. Ends Ty Gibbs' race. Denny actually, I think, got faster out of that somehow. Um, it didn't hit him in the tire, hit him right in the door. And so it actually somehow helped him. Um, but overall, not, not, a, not a great day. Lots of different pit road issues. The 20, the 45, a lot of guys had some speeding or, or just like pit stall issues, uh, with the pit crews. Um, any, any comment on all those pit stall issues? One of those weird things where you, you think this late in the season, the pit crews are going to be locked and loaded, but it just happens that. Like you said, one guy's got three tires in the box. Another guy's got to get around him. It just happens. You get tangled up in pit lane, and it it causes issues all over the track uh, on some of these restarts here or some of those random cautions where guys are coming in off cycle, off cycle, whatever. Yeah, I I think like what we saw a lot of, um, and obviously we're going to talk about a couple more things for the end here, um, but basically what we saw a lot of was really, really aggressive restarting right um really guys that were staying really tight to each other's doors to be able to get an advantage into the restart and then yeah a really aggressive pit lane you know why that is because you can't pass on the fucking track that's what it is and so when everyone's just like "Ooh, the strategy was interesting Ooh, there are a lot of mistakes on pit lane it's like that's because the track sucks that's what we should be grading here is that the, is the track and the racing good enough that they don't have to be overly competitive on pit lane or anywhere else. I mean, they're going to be competitive anyway, but guys are trying to push their that envelope just a little bit. I think I saw that, um, I think it was Brian Blaney speeding, that he was going 50.002 miles per hour. Un- and unreal. Was unreal. 45. Was unreal. Yeah. yeah. 
he was point zero zero two over, which is uh, it sucks. It sucks to have that happen, but that's what you do. You you got to have those margins. So let's talk about this end of this race. Uh, Bubba gets beat by a Briscoe and and Byron tag team at the end. The reason that I'll call both of those names out is uh, Briscoe was the one that kind of really shoved uh, Bubba off into that first corner. About halfway through the corner, Briscoe moves up, tries to shove Bubba up into the marble, slows them both up. Neither one gets a good exit. Byron then comes hard into and down the straightaway, gets in the inside of Bubba. And even though Bubba tries to hold him down, Byron's got the preferred lane. Byron's able to gas it up, and Byron's able to push Bubba back up again and secure the lead. Um, you know, I, I know Bubba beat himself up a little bit after that, but honestly, if you don't get a clean enough restart that you're not most of the way clear going into the corner, forcing a guy to basically tag your left rear and, and wreck you or, or let you have the position, that's what's going to happen. And Bubba, Bubba did not get that clean of a restart. He did on the two prior restarts, but in that one ends up costing him the race. Uh, it sucks too, because that final caution was kind of caused by the 45 and the 43, um, hitting the wall uh, coming out of turn four. And so it was kind of like his teammate kind of uh, poisoned him there and took away his win. But it's still a solid third place, and Bubba's just barely outside the playoffs now, uh, which is pretty sweet uh, for the next round, that is. 300th win for Hendrick. That's pretty cool. Absolutely uh, insane. 300th win for Hendrick. And, I mean, if you look at these standings, holy shit. If you told me William Byron was going to have six wins – and yeah. we're still in the second round of the playoffs. Like, that's absolutely bonkers. Like, if you told me any driver was going to have six wins, I would probably say Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, some of those Hendrick drivers. Yeah, yeah. Some Danny Hamlin, he's up there as well. But, Truex. like, William Byron, six wins this season? Like, holy shit. The sponsors are knocking down the door on this 24 driver. I just saw something this today on Twitter. I don't even know who the sponsor was, but it's like some sponsor locked in big time for multiple years with William Byron on the 24. So the performance of this 24 car is bringing a lot of money to the Hendrick Motorsports Garage, and you love to see it, right? This is a young driver. He's absolutely dominating this season he's already locked in now to the next round wow i am shocked by the performance of william byron this year yeah uh one thing that i thought was a little interesting um uh obviously i'm with you on all byron byron praise he he really pounced on a lot of these wins i'd say about half of them he had the dominant car the other half he had the car at the end to be there and made the right moves to get to get the win which is the killer instinct, right? That's what they everyone praises about Kevin Harvick, about the way that he can close out races. Doesn't matter if he has the best car, he makes the most out of the opportunity. Byron has shown that as well as just speed overall. Uh, Byron is a is a top four and a championship contender this year for sure. What What do you think about that uh, sponsorship? He's got that Raptor sponsorship, right? Byron or is that... yes, he does. He didn't he didn't have it for this race though. Yeah, not this race, but man, you got to think though. You got that Raptor sponsorship. Some of these races, he's just like right there, and then he just pounces. So hey, seems to be kind oh, of I see at this saying. point. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm curious. Uh, I'm just taking a look here. Uh, looks like he's got HP is actually sponsoring him for Charlotte. So I'm trying to see. I'm trying to see what uh it says add new sponsorship. Hold on, I'm I'm reading. I'm reading. Relay Payments and Z by HP. So those are the two that kind of came on. So the HP sponsorship is new. 
and then uh, whatever relay payments is, which was uh, what he. Oh, that's right. That's who was sponsoring him while he was at Bristol. Um, but yeah, it looks like HP has two primary sponsorships each year from 2024 to 2026. So that's the newest add-on there. So yeah, anything to get fucking Liberty off that car, right? Um, can't root for the guy anytime Liberty's not going to be on the car. Hated the fact that he won in that Liberty car. Fucking hate it. Um, but one thing I do want to call out here is just uh, just taking a look at um, the most Cup Series wins um, for Hendrick Motorsports and getting to this 300. Jeff Gordon had 93. All of his for his career came with Hendrick Motorsports. Jimmy Johnson, same thing, 83. You know who the third most winning driver is in Hendrick Motorsports history? I've got no clue. Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott with 18. 18? It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's kind of wild that wow. that many wins are just between two drivers. And then if you keep looking down the list, I mean, you've got Daryl Waltrip has nine. Tim Richmond had nine. Dale Earnhardt Jr. also had nine. Byron is ahead of all of them. He's got 10 now. Um, and so, uh, you know, these guys, the, the Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, who has 16, has only raced there, what, this is his third season? So, yep. I mean, the Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, William Byron are performing at levels higher than almost anyone else in Hendrick Motorsports history. So, uh, worth considering when you uh, talk about them. Alex Bowman also has seven. He's not that far down the list, right? So. Wow, beautiful. That's a little teaser for my uh, rapid fire later, but we'll get Ooh. to that in a little bit. One of the things I want to talk about for this uh, Texas track, mm-hmm. PJ1 track bite resin. All I keep hearing is this resin destroyed this track. Why the hell don't they just get the resin off the track? Like... Yeah, they need to. They have to grind, grind this thing off. Like, yeah, SMI. What are we doing? Get rid of it. It's expensive. It's expensive. So what they have to do is they have to grind and then they have to repave. So they'd have to at least repave the lower groove, which would then still mean that the lower groove has the most grip, and you'd still end up with the same thing. And so what you have to do is you have to start over. And at this point, consider progressive banking. Consider the things that have made other tracks more exciting. Um, one thing that I find very interesting that I think a lot of people don't know about Texas Motor Speedway is that Texas was built so that IndyCar and NASCAR can compete on different tracks on the same track. Basically, the whole lower below the white line is a, I, I want to say it's like a 10 degree banking. That was what the IndyCars were supposed to use. And then the upper banking was supposed to be for NASCAR. Indy, when they, they came to Texas, they've been coming to Texas since 1997. We have some comments on that in a second. But they've been coming since 1997. They've always used a NASCAR track. So right off the bat, you did you did something when you first paved this place to facilitate something that never used it. Start over. Just start over and, and, and do it right. Like build something else out of this. Make something good that people are going to want to come and watch. Because guess what? You just lost your IndyCar race too. So. I got nothing else for this this track. I got nothing. Uh, me neither. Me neither. C plus. Uh, let's move on. Um, that's a greatly uh, uh, segue into our IndyCar schedule storyline. Um, Texas loses its race, but you know what gains races? Milwaukee Mile. A double header at Milwaukee Mile right before the end of the season. It's the uh, third, last, and penultimate races of the season, which is pretty cool. Same weekend. Um yeah, yeah, air hornet, air hornet up. I'd love to hear it. Um, but yeah, we got back to back weeks in August next year. Well, they'll be at the Portland Road Course, and then they'll be out there at Milwaukee Mile. 
which is coincidentally the same weekend as the Minnesota State Fair, um, or one of those weekends. So um, I'm seeing a little trip ski in our future, uh, not going to lie. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I like IndyCar a lot, uh, and I'd love to see them in Milwaukee. I am absolutely stoked about this. I was at the truck race. We talked about this on the pod with uh, mm-hmm. Papa G. We were at Milwaukee Mile for NASCAR truck race this season. We were not exactly impressed with the pomp and circumstance of the track, etc. Mm-hmm. but this being an IndyCar race, the promoter is going to be different. So I've got high hopes for this doubleheader at Milwaukee Mile, different promoter, uh, hoping they're going to put on a great show. I will definitely be getting tickets for both races. Looks like for me it's going to be we're going out to the West Coast at Portland, swinging back to the Midwest here for Milwaukee Mile, and we might have to hit Martha's Cookies in Minnesota Somewhere at in some point yeah, as yeah. well on this yeah. leg. So stay tuned for that. We're going to have some logistics to work out, but <laughs> if you want to hit that QR code podcast link, like and subscribe, we can get some uh, we can get some add-ons for those uh, longtime listeners here as well for that there go. Yeah. swing. Make some t-shirts or something. That'd be fun. Uh, cool. Well, uh, that's that's it for the IndyCar schedule. I mean, the rest of the schedule was pretty interesting. They're really down to not really having any of those mile-and-a-half fast tracks anymore. I don't think that's a bad thing. I see people like indie purists that don't like that. But honestly, like IndyCar is be- much better at the road courses and much better at the short tracks. And then, you know, the one event that you're going to have at a big track is the Indianapolis 500, which is exactly what it should be. So I like it. What's up with North Wilkesboro? So North Wilkesboro receiving $4 million and track organizers hoping for $2 million. Whoa, Two million, two events next year. So it sounds like something with this uh, North Wilkesboro. They're getting some money out of the state budget there. What's going on here? Yeah, um, just to speak to one thing, too. I also saw Milwaukee um, or the state of Wisconsin is actually giving money to Milwaukee Mile as well. I think it was somewhere in the $2 million range. So that's pretty cool. Uh, but, yeah, North Wilkesboro already had a lot of funding going into this year. The event was so successful last year. I think this is what warranted them getting a little bit of additional funds. So they received another $4 million um, to, to continue to add on. Look at that as repave money because that's what it is. They're going to repave the track. I don't know what the you know the schedule is going to look like, but again, them hoping for two events le- next year. Who knows? We might see a North Wilkesboro be a a um, track that we see as an all star race and a race that happens maybe right before the Coke Six Hundred. You might see a, a consecutive weekends of points race at North Wilkesboro, all star race at North Wilkesboro, and Charlotte race. Um, that's that would be my guess if they're going to do two events um but also maybe by two events all they mean is like be able to do the truck series um uh, a full points race and the all-star race like they did last year maybe that's all they meant so we'll see cool uh next storyline i've got here is inspired by kbm i know you put this on here a little bit earlier i had to put the question mark after it because it was unconfirmed at the time it's official as of today buying all assets and teams and be moving into that garage is also what I read. Um, the KBM garage being obviously pretty nice. Spire has been operating out of Colwicky's old garage, which was um, obviously a very old garage, but also kind of retrofitted um, to, to, to uh, house some of the newer stuff that you need. But Spire's 
growing. They're growing like crazy. They need a lot more space. I would expect KBM to be where they run their cup teams out of and and uh, and Xfinity cars, and then them to maybe use the Colwicky garage as the truck garage. But um, I looked it up. Those two teams are not like that close together. It's like a 15 minute drive between the two. But uh, you know, at least uh, at least they've got enough space to do what they're trying to do. They're spending money when it makes sense. We talked about that on a previous podcast. I love it, man. I am looking to attach myself to one of these Spire drivers for the mm. Cup Series because I love a young up-and-coming team, and I am kind of surprised that KBM, uh, Kyle Bush is selling his team because he always talks about, I want to you know drive with my son Brexton at some point in mm-hmm. trucks or whatever series, but I think his whole plan is... By the time I'm ready to do that, when Brexton is, you know, old enough to get in the series, I can jump in any car I want to. At that point, I'm a legend. There's no reason to keep this own team. I think he's just looking to maybe free up some assets. Samantha needs like fifteen thousand more pairs of shoes. I, it may have just been the time is right. Let's get out of this and uh, let's refocus on you know, my last couple of years in Cup. Uh, let's raise our kids right and uh, let's set us up ourselves up for the future. Yeah, I think the other thing to consider here is just the change in manufacturer that they just went through, right? They went from Toyota. Toyota only has a few teams in each of the series, but dedicates a lot of resources to those teams. When you go from that to Chevy, where Chevy is the primary manufacturer in all three series, that has the most trucks, the most Xfinity cars, and the most cup cars, you're one of many. You don't get taken care of quite as much. You don't receive as much money. There's a lot of difference in running a, a Toyota truck team and a Chevy truck team. Not to say that, I mean, there was a performance drop-off, which would be expected, but not to say that, like, I don't think that they would have gotten back to that standard KBM performance that we're used to seeing in the truck series. But at this point, he's like, I don't have to. To your point, I can sell this team right now. I can spell sell it to Spire maybe with a contract piece in there that says I get to race my races with Spire trucks. Maybe that's something that's part of his clause. And then maybe, yes, when Brexton is ready, maybe he'll be in a Spire truck, you know? Um, that, that makes sense to me. It's not like RCR has a truck team, so uh, maybe there's an affiliation there just because of the, the what they're selling. So we'll see. We'll hear a lot more about this. Brexton's got a lot of aging to do. Kyle Busch um, needs to continue his performance uh, if he wants to stay uh, racing until that point. But then again, Kyle Busch could retire now and just do truck races and dominate if he really wanted to. So Kyle Busch needs to chop, stop driving backwards when he spins out. I don't know what the hell this guy's infatuation <laughs> is with that. We saw it at Charlotte. We saw it this he week. He saved the car. Yeah. Hey, he saved the car, but he's also destroying the splitter as he's doing it. So I don't know what the strategy is there. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, cool. Uh, oh, next, uh, next bit of news. Sammy Smith is leaving JGR to drive full time with Junior Motorsports next year in the number eight car. Um, piloting fly, pilot flying J will sponsor. They used to be a sponsor, a longtime sponsor of Junior Motorsports. Cool to see them coming back. Um, obviously, Front Row has had the uh, the what's the other uh, big truck stop? Um, Heart. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? The one that. Uh, loves front row motorsports has loves loves i was like it's yeah a, buddy art logo <laughs> loves which is i i actually love like loves a lot they were a sponsor on our podcast earlier this year Full um, show. but yeah pilot flying j like those a lot too um and cool to see them coming back but how about this jgr has lost sammy smith uh chandler smith and kyle bush in the last year 
one year. And they know they're going to lose Martin Truex here eventually, right? It's, uh, it's getting interesting. It's looking grim. It's looking grim. There's no pipeline. I don't know what they're doing, but holy cow! This man. is one of those things where, like, you can tell that the MLB team, the the you know the the MLB team is still killing it, but the farm system is a little tapped out. All of a sudden, they traded all their assets somehow, um, and in this case, it's not like they traded them and got anything. They just they just lost. Um, so, yeah, JGR just no room at the end. This is what it does. It becomes like a pipe flow kind of backup. Obviously, John Hunter Nemechek is still sitting right there and will probably be the guy. Even though he's moving to a cup team next year, he's kind of sitting there waiting in the wings to take over one of those JGR rides. And then maybe they're like, we're going to be good for a while. Maybe they, you know, Denny just signed for a pretty long extension. Maybe it wasn't just three years, you know? So we'll see. Two more Hendrick Xfinity races. So we got Boris Sade at the Charlotte Roval. This is a cool one. Raja Karuth is going to be driving at Phoenix. Yeah, really good opportunity for him. Uh, he's he's raced a number of Xfinity races this year. Obviously thought of as one of the better talents um, or uh, like like raw talents that's coming into the sport right now. Um, so cool to see him get that ride. But I, I'm more excited about the Boris Said one, to be honest. I know you've not been watching NASCAR for as long, but Boris Said is a road course ringer. He used to come and race Sears Point or Sonoma and Watkins Glen all the time and would come come out and have really good finishes, has gotten close to winning races occasionally, um, now has not raced in a very long time. So it'll be very interesting to see how he does. I'm sure he's been racing other things. He's just not been racing um, in the NASCAR series. So we'll see how he does in that number 17 Hendrick Xfinity car. We know it's good enough to win because Kyle Larson's done it. And I think didn't William Byron win in that as well, yes, I believe. Yes, sir. Uh, so, so a couple, couple wins there for that team already. It'll be interesting to see how they do here. Um, that last piece of news that we have is that Ryan Priest has signed on to another year with Stuart Haas Racing. He's kind of on a year-to-year contract. I think this is fine, given that like Priest's luck has been the thing that has held him back mostly. I don't think like Priest is like a bad driver, but it's it's hard to see with these SHR cars whether or not he's that good of a driver. Um, but then Ryan Priest and Chase Briscoe are doing homage to Talladega Nights this week, where. Um, uh, Ryan Priest has the Wonder Bread white car from from Talladega Nights, uh, uh, from Ricky Bobby's car. And then Chase Briscoe has uh, Cal Naughton's uh, uh, Old Spice car. Um, same paint schemes and everything. It looks fantastic. I think it's going to be super fun. I am uh, going to be looking to put that paint scheme on the TV as I have friends over this weekend. So I'm <laughs> loving it, man. I am gonna be maybe doing a double bill with the race and the you know tail Nights action i'm i'm looking forward to it there you go that's what you can really do you can put the race on silent and then just have the the uh, talladega nights on to keep people entertained but then the race will be entertaining too it's talladega man this is this is one of those weekends we get to we get to we get people in the saddle and get them to watch and and actually be entertained by by a nascar race that they're not naturally interested in um speaking of that f1 Back to being a boring series, Max won. That doesn't. That's not what makes it boring. It was just kind of a boring race. Um, Perez went through and crashed just about everyone that he possibly could, and yeah, it, it was just a. It was just back to what F one had been, um, and it sucks because maybe I'm just doing too much comparison. To what was the best race of the year the week before? Um, but yeah, uh, basically done here. The Red Bull, Red Bull has locked up 
the uh, manufacturer's championship. So basically everyone's just fighting for second to fourth right now. Um, and we'll see how that shakes out. F1, unbelievable. I was uh, hanging out with some clients this weekend, this today at the Brewer game. People are telling me about how their daughters, sons, they're watching Formula One because of the Formula One Drive to Survive series, and they're falling mm -hmm. asleep while they're watching it. I'm like, y'all, yep. here's my QR code, big one podcast. Let's go. Speaking yeah, yeah. of let's go, where are we going this weekend? We are going to Talladega. So this is that wild card race in the season. We've got Arca. They had an off week, but we are now going to Salem Speedway, 7.30 Eastern on Saturday for the Atlas 200. Second last race of the season. I have not been keeping up with Muniz Watch. Have you been uh, tapping into Muniz Watch, or are we going to have to wait till new guy gets back on the old pond? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was an off week, like you said, so I don't know that there was much to cover there. Um, but back to Talladega, we've got a truck race Saturday, 1 Eastern. It's the Saturday Loves RV Stop, 250. There you go, Loves. Look at it. And it's the RV Stop, which was our individual sponsor uh, uh, all those all those weeks ago. Um, they've got 20 laps and 20 laps and 54 laps to take them home in their final stage. Xfinity's off this week. This is the last off week of the season for Xfinity. At this point, they will merge basically at the same point with the cup series and run through the end of the season um and then cup uh two o'clock eastern for the yellowwood 500 60 laps 60 laps and 68 laps to take them home very even even staging uh when it comes to cup race um but yeah talladega previous winners last uh, earlier this year we had kyle bush um last year we had chase elliott and then uh, in the in, uh, sorry Chase Elliott in the fall and Ross Chastain in the spring of last year. So um, really anyone's game, but look at that three Chevys have won the last three. That's interesting. Three Chevys, three Chevys. So speaking of Chevy, what do we got for the Smartin Heart Picks this week? Yeah, let's go. Let's go through our results from last week. So last week, uh, B Boy had the picks of Ryan Blaney and Kevin Harvick for an average finish of seventeenth. Oh, I hated those last those last cautions. It took out Reddick and Blaney, uh, and they were both having really good races. Uh, really hated to see it. New guy had the picks of um, Chris Busher and Big Joe Logano for an average finish of seventeen point five. Close, but no cigar there. New guy uh, because Baby G actually had the worst average this week with the picks of Kyle Busch and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. for an average of twenty one point five. So that means a little bit of game, ground was gained on the leader here, but overall our leader is still BBG with an average finish of 12.63. Um, B-Boy uh, is in second with an average finish of 14.6. And then bringing up the rear with an average finish of 16.75 is New Guy. All right, uh, time to make our picks. I guess I get to pick first, uh, being a little bit behind. Hold on, let me pull up. Pull up these standings. It's just easier to like look at these. And also, got to start figuring out how to pick, knowing who's going to stay in the playoffs and who isn't kind of thing. So um, this is uh, this is the thing, too. We didn't, we didn't really talk about this. But the, the picks, you kind of have to really strategically pick so that when you get to the final race, 
one of the four that's in there you still have left to be able to pick you know um, so you really have to figure that out so otherwise you won't have a smart pick for the final race of the season so um, yeah looking at this I'm gonna go with who haven't I picked who haven't I picked I'm going I'm going with Bubba 23 ooh spicy let me get uh, Keselowski, the six. The six. Um, yeah, you picked the last pick, the six, uh, for Daytona, so you're clear there. Yep. Um, for my heart pick, has to be someone outside that top 12. Um, and I've not picked him, so let's do Chase Elliott. Makes some sense to me. All right, baby G. Uh, let me get in on 34, Michael McDowell. Uh, this might be a big bet, risk-reward. McDowell has historically been okay on these super speedways. He might wreck out, but let's go with the 34 this week, McDowell. Yeah, he's he's pretty good. He's pretty good at these. So, uh, yeah, I like, I like these picks so far. We'll have to see what new guy gives us, and then we'll recap them again next week. Awesome. Um that brings us right into rapid fire. I don't have a rapid fire question. Do you want to go and I might think of one? Yes, sir. First rapid fire for me. So there's been a lot of drivers that have been called up extremely young. Do we think some of these drivers are being called up to the Cup Series too early? The one that comes to mind for me is Carson Hosevar. This guy is extremely young. I don't know if he's ready yet. Uh, what do you think about some of these early call-ups for the Cup Series? I think it depends. Um, I think look at let's look at some of the early call-ups that um, came with some more merit. So someone like uh, like like William Byron, very young when he entered Chase Elliott, another one very young when he entered, but were winning Xfinity and Truck Series championships, right? Like they had proven that they could get it done at the other level. And so therefore when they moved up, you had a little bit more weight behind, okay, we know these guys are good. Let's give them time to develop. The Carson Hose of ours of the world, John Hunter Nemechek falls into this because he raced, he raced in the cup series for a whole season at one point. Um, these, these guys, when they get moved in, and especially if they end up with a not so, uh, uh, not so high end team, they come in and have expectations put on them, like they're a veteran driver or a mid-range driver immediately and are expected to perform while also trying to learn a brand new car. So to answer your question, I think it's okay to bring a young driver in, but you need to know that you're committing to the long haul here. It, this is no different than you know when we used to pick NBA players out of high school. Sometimes they panned out, sometimes they didn't. Um, sometimes a guy looks like he's going to be really good and then just can't, uh, can't, can't work with the car, can't make it work. Um, and, and is still developing, right? There's still very raw talent when they're that young. Um, and some, some raw talent can be utilized and some can't. So I think it's okay as long as you're bringing them up and giving them enough years to build into a William Byron, right? I think he's a really good example of someone that, I mean, even myself in this podcast we've talked about in the past, maybe William Byron ain't it. Maybe he's got to be in Xfinity for a little bit longer. He's proven that wrong this year, right? So... Agree. You've got to have the right situation where you can't just have someone come up and 
he's got one year to prove me something and, and he's done. If mm-hmm. you're bringing someone up who's 20, 18, 19, 21 years old, you got to have a three year window where this guy can prove himself. Xfinity versus cup is an extreme jump. You've seen a guy like it Ty is. Gibbs come up and he've had, he's had a very good season in the cup series, but that team probably expects a little bit more out of him than he's given them this year. But still, I think next year, Ty Gibbs comes back and he's going to have a great season. Like if I had to yeah. bet a five-year window, a ten-year window, a guy like Ty Gibbs who has all of that support behind him, a lot of a good Xfinity series, now a ton of Cup experience. You've got to give these guys time if you're bringing them up that early in their career. Yeah, power of nepotism there. He's going to have a ride for a long time, regardless. Hey. Um, but yeah, and I'm, I'm I'm with you though. Like Ty Gibbs is another good example of someone that is. Yeah, honestly, one of the most talented Xfinity drivers we've ever seen. Um, like he's right up there with Kyle Busch. He just has a much smaller sample size. Um, but the amount of races he won in such a short time was not something that Chase Elliott did, not something that William Byron did, none of these other guys, right? But to your point, there were a lot of people that thought that he would come in and start winning races. There were a lot of people that thought Gregson would come in and start winning races too. That's not how it works. The cup of car is that different. It does have a learning curve. And also, you're sitting with a bunch of sharks. Um, I'd say of the 36-car field we get week to week, I'd say 28 to 26 of them are top 30 drivers in the NASCAR pipeline at any moment. I'd say there's always maybe two to four that you could pick out a truck in Xfinity that might be able to get in there and, and, and you know swim with the sharks. But I'd say... Only 26, uh, 26 to 28 of them are a higher level of talent than they've been racing against their whole careers. And that's what they have to come in and they have to perform against. And it's really hard. So, Absolutely. What's uh, what's your first rapid fire here for me? I got nothing, man. I, I was not able to think of one as we were going. I will say, like, I want to comment back to the rapid fire that I had last week about the, uh, you know, teams being owned not owning them across all three series and then this week spire goes in and buys kbm so that they're they're operating across all three series now um and and how it kind of actually offset what you were saying about hey it's really cool that drivers sometimes own teams we get one less uh, driver owned team right here but um i thought that was interesting development the week after we had a rapid fire question on that so i got one very similar to what you're talking about so let me burn through one of my rapid fire shears so what do you think nascar ownership looks like in five years any major teams drop off or anything you see coming in as far as uh new teams in the next five-year horizon well with a tv deal with a new tv deal it really sets the price uh, I think what you'll see is you'll see certain teams bolster their spo- their their sponsorship dollars, bolster their investment. Um, teams like 2311, Trackhouse, Spire are all in that boat. Um, and then you'll see other teams bow out or at least bow out and maybe drop to the lower leagues. Um, so the redistribution of money will be something that will happen in the next one to two to three years. Um, after that, the settling in will happen, which will both – be good and bad for the sport what you see there is you see a lot of tightening of belts you see teams that are trying to be like well what if we spend less can we perform the same they'll start to try and experiment from that perspective either that or if we can see some rapid growth in viewership 
um, we can see things that outpace the what the TV deal was basing its numbers off of, you'll see new money come into the sport. But that said, I just don't see us getting the Michael Jordans and Pitbulls to like that to be a recurring theme, um, especially across the next five years. I think unless we see dramatic increase in viewership and some other things, you're not going to see that that kind of like outpouring of two brand new, very, very high performing and, and high spend teams coming out of the woodwork in the next five years. Absolutely great point. I agree with you. This could be a good off season episode where we kind of do some speculation. Does Taylor Swift buy a NASCAR team? <laughs> She's got that uh, Travis Kelsey money rolling in these days. So I think she makes way more than Travis Kelsey. Yeah, yeah, buddy. I think that could be a fun off season episode. We do a little uh, five year horizon speculation episode of NASCAR ownership. That could be a cool uh, little fun episode there. That would be fun. That would be fun to just kind of forecast how each team is doing. Who the drivers for each team is would be fun too. Oh, um, I like that. Ooh. Let's save that. Let's save that. I like I that a that. lot. Cool. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of rapid fire. <laughs> and it brings us right into Baby G reads the standings. Wow. Two weeks in a row. I didn't have to lead myself in this week, but your first place driver, William Byron, with that win last weekend. So he's way, way above that cup line. He is moving on to the next round. Your second place driver, Denny Hamlin, at a plus 37. Chris Boucher, plus 22. Christopher Bell, plus 20. Martin Truex Jr., plus 19. Ross Chastain, plus 12. Brad Keselowski, plus eight. Last driver in the plus, Kyle Larson, plus two. Below the cut line right now, we've got Bubba Wallace, minus two. Tyler Reddick, minus three. Ryan Blaney, minus 11. And Kyle Busch, minus 17. Yep. Three of those four had issues uh, in the race, um, even, even though some of them, like Tyler Reddick and Ryan Blaney, got some good stage points. That's what salvaged them and didn't keep them from dropping too far behind the line. Kyle Busch is not in win mode. My dad was freaking out during the race, big Kyle <laughs> Busch fan, uh, about about being in win-only mode. Nah, not with Talladega and not with Roval coming Plus, up. There's way too much mayhem. He's okay. He's there. okay. He's going to be okay. Yeah, I think he. anyone, this is anyone's, anyone's way forward here. Um, Denny Hamlin, very, very good at these super speedways, uh, very well could be in the mix, but also one accident, an accident that happens in stage one without getting any stage points could take Denny from right there in second to right at the cut line. So nobody's safe. Uh, I, I told you before, I said it last week when we were going into Texas, I said, have a very solid Texas so that you can absorb that impact. Well, I only see one driver that can absorb that impact right now. And it's Denny Hamlin. Uh, yeah. Chris Denny's Busher, so Bell, far up Trix plus Jr. 37. Yeah. Insane. Yeah, the next three are just in a state where, like, they could absorb some impact, but if it was a stage one and they got no stage points, or if they try to hang out at the back and not get stage points the whole race and try and make it happen at the end, very well could just put themselves right below the cut line in one race. So, uh, again, it's anyone's 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 uh, gamble here. Um, the one thing I really hate is Bubba had a fantastic race, almost won that race, almost locked himself in. You know how many people he was going to piss off if he made the round of eight right there? Um, he, he was about to, he was about to send Bubba haters to, to an asylum right then and there. I hate that he's negative two points here because he only got two stage points last week, even though he had a dominant car the whole race, 
the the mix-ups towards the end of the um the the stages ended up costing him and made it so that he didn't get a lot of stage points but he's really good at these super speedways we'll see if him and tyler reddick and honestly denny hamlin can work together toyota's trying to try and run up front see what happens absolutely i am wow i am in awe of these playoff standings right now i'm just looking up and down this list other than William Byron, who locked himself into the next round, I think any of these guys, 1 through 12, could win this race at Talladega, and that's why we call this a wild card, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if you're not tuning in to Talladega on a side-by-side of your football on NFL Sunday, I am going to be locked in on Thursday night for my football team. So my Sunday is wide open. I've got NASCAR on the main screen, Talladega. I am ready to go. Wow, I I don't know, man. I just look at this lineup, 1 through 12. If you told me in the be- beginning of the season this is who we were going to see, Chris Boucher in third, Christopher yeah. Bell in fourth, this is wild. Like, There's only two drivers that surprise me in this top 12, to be honest. Um, Bubba, I would say – actually, I'll say Bubba surprises me a little bit of being in the top 12. Brad and Boucher are the other two. Everyone else, this is – I could have predicted everyone else that's here. Um yeah, if I if I if I could have reshuffled and picked out the top twelve before the season started, Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick in, Busher, Brad Keselowski out, and then Chase Elliott in for for Bubba, which he yeah, is but, you know in the owner in owner points. So that makes sense. Yeah, that all makes sense. We'll have to we'll have to re rack those numbers and look at our preseason predictions. But as always, True. you can hit us up at podcast big one at gmail dot com on Twitter slash x at podcast big one wow this has been a great episode we uh we're still flying two-man crew i haven't heard much from new guy have you uh had any contact over the pond are your telegrams coming back these days or are they going undelivered i don't know i keep sending things across in yorkshire pudding and i think he just eats the pudding with the note inside of it so um, you know, we'll we'll hear from him. I don't think we're gonna have him next week either. Another two man, basically a two man round of eight here is or round of twelve. I'm sorry that we have going here, but we'll get him back for the round of eight, and that's when it will really matter. So, absolutely. Well, we will catch y'all next week. We were the big one podcast. We will break down hopefully not too many big ones at Talladega. Let's hope for some good clean green flag racing. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Catch you next week.